This is the Africa Blogging Podcast, your home to authentic political conversations from across the continent. Hello, my name is Daniel Omide, and thank you for joining me in this fourth episode of the Africa Blogging Podcast. In this episode, we have a chat with award-winning Zambian journalist Paul Shalala. He's a senior TV reporter with the National Broadcaster ZNBC, and he also writes for Africa Blogging and his own Zambian analyst blog. He spent the last few weeks around the new year covering President Akainde Chilema at his rural ranch, and that is where our conversation will begin in this episode. But we will also explore other topics, including the president's popularity almost one year since he got into his five-year term. We also look at the democratic space in Zambia, including the repeal of two sections of Zambia's penal code. And then we will look at the state of the economy. Thank you for joining us in this episode, Shalala. I have been trying to catch you for about two weeks now, but you're busy up running up and down the country with the president. Please tell us what it was like to be with the president and what exactly you two are up to. Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, Happy New Year too, Daniel. Uh, Thank you. The, The past two weeks have been a bit busy for me. Uh, the president is actually out uh, in the southern part of the country where uh, he has a lot of uh, cattle ranches. He owns thousands and thousands of cattle across the country. I think he has mm-hmm. about seven ranches in three different provinces. Mm-hmm. So I was assigned to go and cover him over the new year period. He had a number of activities mm-hmm. and he actually lives at his own <laughs> ranch away from my state house. So you can imagine he's meeting people, he's actually doing his private auctions of his bulls, because he sells yeah. bulls every year, and he's personally uh, inspecting and also supervising the sale of the bulls. So uh, it's been a hectic week or two, and uh, I'm back from, from the village, but he's still at the farm, he's still doing his business there. Yeah, I hear he leases out some of his uh, cattle, not really leasing out, but he gives them out for free during the farming day plowing season like right now it's a plowing season um down there in zambia um is that true yes it's very true uh on friday he held uh, a meeting with a number of people that live around uh, one of his ranches here in a southern town called namwala mm-hmm. uh this town is um inhabited by people called ila these are traditional pastoralists mm-hmm. these are guys who on a young guy age 35 can have 10,000 cows. He can have 5,000. Wow. These are guys who are born. When you are born, you already have cattle. Your father just gives you these inherited cattle. So he held a meeting where they are very rich guys, but very simple guys who never <laughs> are boss. They can sell cattle and walk to a showroom of a big car company and buy vehicles from the showroom. So these are guys who are rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the president was just addressing them and trying to show them what he does in the community. Mm-hmm. So he gives out animals uh, because some of the people that live in that area are very poor. Mm-hmm. They can't uh, afford to hire, for example, a tractor to plow their fields. Yeah. So the president would hire them out, maybe four cows, so that they can uh, use them during the rain season. And in the dry season, they give them back to the president and the animals are back in the, in the ranches. So... He was doing that activity and explaining that he learned it from his father, who was also a pastorist. Yeah. So he used to rent out people, but now the president is now a bigger rancher. Actually, according to some records, he's actually the biggest in this country. 
and it wow. provides uh, a, a quarter of the beef that uh, this country actually consumes. Before the election last year, I had an opportunity to have a chat with you, and you indicated to me that this would likely be a kind or a church, as you guys call him, selections to lose. His popularity was very high. You have covered him over the past one year that he's been president, or close to one year that he's been president. But you've also walked the breadth and width of the country in your day-to-day -day work as an ZNBC TV reporter. From what you get on the ground, how do you gauge his popularity almost one year down the line? Is it still where it was when we spoke last year, um, around January, just before the elections? Or has it gone up or has, has it dropped significantly? Uh, the mood is still upbeat uh, because it's just a year and uh, a few months after uh, President Aganda Ichirema was elected. Um, mm. There were a lot of expectations from Zambians. If you remember, uh, the past 10 years, uh, Zambia was governed by the Patriotic Front, a party that came in and did a lot um, of damage to, to the country. For example, uh, freedoms were not very much guaranteed. We, we had more like militias of supporters of the ruling party that would storm radio stations, beat up opposition political parties, uh, activists who would maybe appearing on a radio station, hound them out, uh, radio stations, TV stations would be shut down. Mm -hmm. uh, opposition leaders would be arrested arbitrarily. Akainda Ichirema himself was arrested over a traffic offense and he was brutally arrested actually. Mm -hmm. And he charged with treason, which is... Uh, an offense that is actually punishable by death. Mm -hmm. And he spent 127 days uh, in prison until the Commonwealth had to uh, intervene. That's when yeah. he was released and all the charges were dropped. So there were a lot of expectations from this government. Uh, yeah. Markets and uh, bus stations in the country were actually run by youths from the ruling party. So the local authorities, the councils, were not actually collecting revenue from these markets and bus stations. Mm -hmm. But when President Hichilema came in, there were a lot of reforms that were done. Today, as we speak, opposition and ruling party supporters can walk into a market, they can walk into a radio, a mini station, uh, a market, a bus station. They cannot be harassed because of mm -hmm. the attack of the, of the political party they are wearing. But in those yeah. days, it was unheard of of mm -hmm. any opposition guy walking into town with a uniform and they'll beat you up. Uh, there are a lot of reforms that have been done. If you look at the economy too, uh, the inflation rate was... Uh, above 10%, it was somewhere in, in the 15, 16%. Today, as we speak, it's single digits, below 10. Mm -hmm. uh, look at the quacha as well. The quacha also has gained a lot of uh, power against uh, major convertible uh, currencies. So there have been a lot of reforms, but of course, there's a lot of work to be done. If you look at uh, job creation, mm -hmm. uh, just in the first budget that the, this new government uh, presented, yeah. there were over 40,000 public workers that were uh, employed, uh, mm -hmm. 30,000 teachers and and thousands more of uh, health workers. So there's a lot that President Hichirem and his government have done, but there's still some more work to be done, which, of course, they, they too accept that not everything can be done within a year. That's really impressive. And we will get into the economic conversation a bit later. Let's first talk about his efforts to broaden the democratic space. In the country. The most recent development is the abolishment of the two colonial era registrations that were previously used to stifle criticism of government. This is the deformation of the president law and the death penalty. Let's start with the abolishment of the death penalty, which covers crimes like aggravated assault or robbery, uh, murder, 
and treason, which Ishalema himself was once charged with, as you say. This is a law that could be used to stifle opposition and dissent. Please shed more light into what this abolishment means for the democratic space in the country. Yeah, so these two laws were very critical uh, because they were they were condemned for many years because mm-hmm. successive governments maintained them in order for them, especially for the defamation for, of the president, in mm-hmm. order for them to ensure that the president is always protected from criticism. Mm-hmm. Today, as we speak, there are a lot of people who are actually serving jail sentences for defamation of a president. Mm-hmm. Now, it was not very clear uh, to to explain how a president gets defamed. Mm-hmm. Because if you just issue a statement, and most people who actually were convicted were actually using social media, Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, some were using Instagram. Mm-hmm. You just record a video of yourself criticizing the president, giving examples of where you feel the president didn't do right, tomorrow mm-hmm. the police are knocking on your door and you are picked up. You are taken to court and you are convicted. Charged with the yes. of the president. So it, it limits exactly. the sales so, for criticism of the current government, whichever government was in the power exactly. at the time. Yeah. Exactly. So and uh, it ex- escalated so much under the previous government, under President uh, Edgar Lungu. Uh, Edgar Lungu. Mm-hmm. And also even under President Haka in the HMA. There are a number mm-hmm. of people who have been arrested, including opposition leaders. Mm-hmm. But uh, because it was a campaign issue for President Hichilema, uh, yeah. which he actually raised last year when he was campaigning, he mm-hmm. actually committed himself to repeal this law. And luckily, last month it was repealed. As we speak now, there's no defamation of a president. So meaning... Oh. Zambians mm-hmm. are now free to actually uh, take the president to account and they criticize him as they can. Mm-hmm. Then the other law is a death penalty. So the death penalty has been there from British colonial time. Yeah. And this is, uh, like you explained, uh, there are only three offenses that actually uh, result into death penalty. And these offenses have what we call capital here because they are mm-hmm. more like the highest uh, offenses. Mm-hmm. Now, the challenge that has been there is that from 1997, when there was President uh, Frederick Chiluba, mm-hmm. no president has ever signed a decree to mm-hmm. hang, hang a anyone. person who's condemned to death. Mm-hmm. So from 1997, all those who've been sentenced to death have always been kept uh, in... We have two maximum prisons. There's one in uh, a central town called Kawe. The mm-hmm. prison is called Mukoveko. And the, just west of Lusaka here, there's another one called Mwembeshi, the maximum uh, security prison. So this is, these are the two places where uh, the courts cons- for death penalty are held. Mm-hmm. So as at last year, mm-hmm. Zambia had about 225 people were condemned to death. But Waiting none of them be- could be hanged because no president since 1997 has agreed to sign that decree. And mm-hmm. the basis is that in 1991, when our founding father, uh, Kenneth Kaunda, lost the elections, yeah. we had a charismatic president, uh, Frederick Chirua, who came in, mm-hmm. and the guy used the church to campaign. He was a Pentecostal. Yeah. So he rallied around Pentecostals, evangelicals, who actually formed uh, part of his base uh, during the campaigns. Yeah. And when he won, this large part of his campaign actually prevailed over him. Yeah. And he declared Zambia as a Christian nation and actually pushed that into the constitution. Mm-hmm. So part one of the Zambian constitution in the preamble yeah. actually re- reads that Zambia is a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. However, it respects other religions. Other religions so on uh, that basis, 
Mm-hmm. No president has accepted to hang anyone because of this claim that Zambia is a Christian yeah, nation. Christian nation yeah. So you can imagine that numbers of people who are condemned have been increasing in prison, thereby uh, creating congestion. I was at the prison, uh, the maximum prison, uh, in June this year, well, last year, sorry. Yeah. I was there uh, in June last year, and I was told the capacity of the condemned section where uh, the people who are condemned to death uh, are supposed to be kept. Yeah. The capacity was about 50 to 60, but yeah. today, as we speak, they're over 200. 200 you can imagine yeah. the congestion. There's no space. So I, this I, is why the campaign to, to I mean, repeal death penalty came in. So how then does this affect those who are already serving sentences on the basis of these draconian laws, as you call them, especially the one of defamation of the president? Unfortunately, uh, for those who've already been uh, convicted, they will have to serve. I mean, they will have to serve their sentences up to the end, unless the president decides to pardon them. I know a good number of them who've been pardoned uh, over the years after being convicted, mm-hmm. but the law says they have to serve. Same with those that were convicted uh, and sentenced to death. They will continue serving. However, I'm told there will be a statutory instrument, which is like a decree that will be that is likely to be issued to mm-hmm. convert their sentences from death to life. So mm-hmm. meaning when they are converted into life, they will no longer be on death row. Yeah. And they will have an opportunity. Again, if the president decides, he mm-hmm. can actually pardon them again from life and mm-hmm. pardons them to to uh to a number of years so yeah. many they will be they will have now uh con- converted the sentences for example maybe 20 15 10 or 5 so it's at the discretion of the president and usually does that uh on christmas day new year uh, on africa day and on independence day so these are the days when the president uh commutes sentences of people so most likely when this statutory instrument is issued all those on death row I like you to get life sentences. And this has happened uh, several times. If we are to interrogate the flip side of this, harsh penances have always acted as deterrents to crime, especially serious crimes like murder and aggravated robbery. Are there concerns that we may see an increase in such crimes with this kind of abolishment? That, that's very true, because now people will not be scared of being killed. Uh, and surprisingly, or is it interesting, I interviewed someone who was actually against the abolition of the death penalty because they were saying, mm-hmm. what happens now to families of the victims of murder? Mm-hmm. For example, people whose relatives were killed, and then tomorrow you will see them moving out of prison in case they are pardoned twice. What mm-hmm. happens? Of course, I know psychologically, uh, the abolition of the death penalty may actually have that effect of not deterring people from committing some of these heinous crimes. But mm-hmm. of course, I think on the moral side of life, yeah. I think it's a good thing because um, every person is irrespective of what they, what offense they commit in life. I think by the fact that we are all humans, we have a right to life. Yes, mm-hmm. we when we commit an offense, we need to be confined to a space where we need to, to reform. Mm-hmm. So I think the majority of Zambians are, are very much in support of uh, the death penalty being abolished because... It hasn't served its purpose since 1997 because no one has been hanged. And actually, I'm told <laughs> the last hangman at uh, the maximum prisons actually retired 20 years ago, and there hasn't been any advert for <laughs> a hangman to be to be hired. So there's a vacancy in, the, in those prisons. But of course, I know on the moral side, I think 
it's a good thing, but yes, it, it, it could be a relief for those who want to commit crime. Yeah. But the, the truth, even if they commit this crime, life, in a, I mean, if you're sentenced to life, that's like death penalty. You will never see your family. You will never yeah. have freedom. You live in forever. Yeah. So it, it just reduces to, yeah. Still acts as a deterrent. Like you say in your latest article published on Africa Blogging, that is on www.blogging.africa. Globally, 170 countries have abolished the death penalty. In Africa, Zambia becomes the 25th country. In many countries, like here in Kenya, it has been over three decades since we last saw someone hanged. What is the situation like in the Southern African countries? In the Sadiq region, I think there are a good number of countries that have abolished. However, because uh, most countries, uh, I think Zimbabwe, Zambia, South Africa, and the others were, were ruled by the British, we still have this colonial hangover, which uh, most of our laws still follow. Uh, even when you look at other things like our parliaments, <laughs> they still wear all those old gowns that the yeah. British left with us. But if you look at the British House of Commons, they no longer wear those things. <laughs> they put on suits. So we've hung on to all these uh, colonial relics, which are, are not helpful. For example, I was checking uh, our laws here in Zambia. We still have a law called uh, insulting a princess. We don't have a princess in this country, <laughs> but we still maintain those laws. So yeah. it's a time that we, I think we needed to reform our laws mm -hmm. and uh, make them come to up, up to speed to, to reality because we no longer have some of those uh, situations and the world has moved on. So we need to reform our laws in the Sadiq region. Yeah. I think politically things are really looking up for Zambia and that is some solid examples that the rest of us from Africa can really emulate but for now, let's try and shift gears to the economic side of things. Globally, we are seeing you know, tough times. Just this year, the IMF at the start of the year is warning of another recession coming that's likely to affect a third of the global economy, especially primarily being driven by what they project to be slowing down of expenditure in three of the world's biggest economies, that is China, the European Union, and the U.S., but this is not just what's happening this year. We've been seeing this from the COVID era. 2022 has been really hard. African currency have plummeted in value, considered against the greenback. But we have seen a lot of resilience coming from the Zambian currency, that is the kwacha. In fact, the kwacha is the only currency in the whole continent that has actually appreciated against the dollar. Uh, the president has been very consistent on the economic front. Uh, remember that this is a man who uh, has spent uh, uh, close to 15 years in opposition. I think he first contested elections in uh, 2006. So as a very young uh, economist coming from uh, the corporate world, uh, joined politics. He, he didn't even have that <laughs> political language. The, the first time he contested, I remember covering him in one of the campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, he comes with that white collar uh, history as a very successful businessman. Uh, he ran a, a, a lot of successful uh, companies and came with that uh, knowledge into government. Over the years, he used to even produce alternative budgets for the country. When the government reduces a budget, he would release also an alternative budget just to show how prepared the, uh, his political party was. And, and when he came the landscape. Yes, he understood the landscape very well and used to give alternatives to a lot of issues, inflation, uh, economic growth, 
the export, import and export, and all these things. So when he came into government, his focus really was to stabilize the economy. Uh, remember that Zambia is a highly indebted country. Uh, we've been reckless over the years over the uh, the issue of borrowing, especially from China. We this country owes China a lot of money. You China, almost lost, US, you almost lost your port, or that was a rumor. Yeah, of course, those were rumors <laughs> that we we almost lost a number of state institutions, but which is not true. Uh, those were just rumors, but we owe a lot of money to China. Of course, the official figures should be somewhere in the 12 billion, somewhere there, 12 to 15 billion. But uh, the previous government fought is, very hard is, to restructure. This is 12 the, to 15 billion US dollars. US dollars, yes. So over the years, uh, the previous government failed to uh, get uh, support from the World Bank and the IMF to restructure the debt because it was unsustainable. We had a lot of debt more than we could produce in the country. Of course, you know Zambia is a big uh, producer of copper. I think we must be number two in Africa after Congo, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, however, we've been failing. But when President Hitler came in uh, with his business acumen, he one of the first things he did was to actually engage the World Bank and the IMF. He traveled to the US and came back. And luckily, this year, I mean, last year in August. He managed to secure a bailout for Zambia, which was worth $1.3 billion. And the first installment for that amount actually came a month later. And as we speak now, Zambia is under uh, an IMF program where uh, the economy is being uh, actually managed according to conditions that were set in that uh, bailout. And also the structuring of, of the debt now has actually advanced. We, China has come on board. Uh, another important stakeholder that has also come in is the US, the UK, Canada, and the Scandinavian countries have also come on board, and France. Mm -hmm. France is actually hosting uh, the Paris Club. These are the yes. countries that are official data of, of Zambia. And they're mm -hmm. at a point where they, ju they are just about to agree on how they can restructure Zambia's debt. So because of all those economic movements that have been done so far in the past one year, we yeah. have also seen that even our currency, the Kwacha, has actually appreciated uh, against the dollar to a mm -hmm. point where now, mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, a month ago I was uh, on the border with Malawi. You yes. find that Malawians are now no longer coming into Zambia to, to import things because they are finding it expensive now <laughs> because the Kwacha Zambian culture has, has increased, but Zambia is now able to go into Malawi to buy more goods from there. Yeah, so I can. It I just can, shows how the trickle I, effect has gone down to the local level. Yeah, I can see the Zambian culture is now trading at um one US dollar to one point eighteen point two one Zambian culture, which is really which is really really impressive. Yeah, very much because just uh, a year ago. The kwacha was very worthless to, to the dollar. We actually were struggling to even import things because it was becoming very expensive. But now that has become uh, much easier. And then when you look at also uh, the small businesses, deliberately President Hichilema, when he, uh, he won, he set up a ministry uh, called SME, Small and Medium Enterprises. Mm -hmm. And there's a ministry and the minister in charge of small and medium enterprises. So this just shows you how this guy is committed to just boost small businesses yeah. to an extent where 
Um, here we have what we call constituencies where MPs are elected. There are 156 uh, across the country. Yeah. So each year, I'm not sure how I can convert this into kwacha. Yeah. Over the years, the past 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. each constituency was given 1.7 million kwacha mm -hmm. to do projects, roads, uh, do clinics, schools, and even boost small businesses. That was 1.7 million. But mm -hmm. when President Hichinema came in, mm. in his first budget, he increased it from 1.7 to 25.7 million. So you can imagine wow. it's over 5,000 increase. Mm -hmm. That was just in one year. And in the budget that was that's, passed that's last like, month for this year. That's almost 1.5 uh, million US dollars. He, exactly. Yeah. And again, he has increased it now from 25.7 million. It has now gone to 28.3 million. So this money is now being used for capital projects like uh, building bridges, uh, clinics, schools. And also there's a component mm -hmm. because now uh, it's free education since last year. Mm -hmm. All pupils now, or students from lower grades up to grade 12, they now go for free to school. Wow. He has also brought in the fact that uh, all schools now should have desks. Pupils should never sit on the floor. When mm -hmm. learning, yeah. and which is very common across Zambia and the rural areas. I grew mm -hmm. up in a rural area where from grade one up to grade four, we were mm -hmm. sitting on the floor and we never up, had desks. You grew up this in Dola, is, is it? This is common countrywide. I, I, I grew up in the central town of Mumbwa. <laughs> so we used to sit on the floor. Mumbwa, yeah. Yeah. We used to sit on the floor from grade one up to grade four. I mm -hmm. only managed to sit on uh, on the desk in grade five. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, and this is a picture that is replicated the whole country, but President Hichilema, using this money, mm -hmm. has pledged that up to the end of uh, this year, December, no yeah. pupil countrywide should be, should be seen to sit on the floor. Because this money is a lot, and it's not just going to the education sector. There's also a component that goes to small and medium enterprises, marketeers, these ladies who do trade in small things like uh, maybe French fries, you are mm -hmm. selling groceries by the roadside, mm -hmm. or you are, mm -hmm. you are doing a restaurant, you are selling food by people who are passing or pupils. So this wow. is where the money is going. So it's trying to boost small businesses, which can trickle down now to the household level and improve how people live. What an episode. Some quite shining, positive examples from right here in Africa. You know, they usually say when you're talking about African politics and economies, it's always about lack of democracy. It's always about corruption. It's always about bad governance. But this is some real examples of something positive that's happening right here in Africa. Even a first for us in terms of since we started doing this series. And I'm really excited. And this is something that, you know, the rest of Africa can really keenly look into what's going on for Zambians, what's positive, what's working there, and how then is it that we can borrow from them and learn and apply this in our own countries. Thank you very much, Shalala, for joining us in this episode. Thank you very much, Daniel, for having me. And it was a pleasure uh, having a chat with you. Please, it was my pleasure. Let's keep having these conversations. Thank you. Have a lovely time. That was Paul Shalala, senior TV reporter, ZNBC, contributor, Africa blogging, and the Zambian analyst. My name is Daniel Ominde. I've been your host for this edition of the Africa Blogging Podcast. This podcast is a production of the Africa Blogging Network, the international blogger network that features a plurality of voices and views supporting democratic culture and debate in sub-Sahara Africa. The Africa Blogging Network is affiliated with Class Media Africa, a program of the Conrad Adenio Stiftung. 
The views expressed in this podcast do not in any way represent the views of Africa Blogging as a network or its partner organizations.